0: NBC.
1: The 1998 what is NBA up, everybody? This is Jim Malak, and you're listening to podcast, the podcast where we break down former athletes and decide whether or not you should get a call to the Hall. On this week's Thanksgiving episode, nothing special about this episode, it's Just it's Thanksgiving week and I'm pumped, but on this week's Thanksgiving episode, we're talking about the Hall of Fame candidacy of former MLB outfielder, Minnie Minoso. And joining us in just a moment to discuss Minoso's candidacy and career is the head of user experience at Sports Reference, Adam Dorowski. But before I bring Adam on, let's talk a little more about Minnie Minoso. So Mini is on the Golden Days Air Committee ballot this year. So one of the senior committees, or the veterans committees, uh, that is actually voting on December 5th uh, during the MOB winter meeting. So that's coming up very shortly. And this committee votes on players who played during, uh, you know, between 1950 and 1969 that have not been elected to the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, Minoso was on the ballot for 15 years, but the writers never really gave him the time of day. Uh, he never even actually got over 22% of the vote anytime he was on the ballot. So that's why he's on the Golden Days Air committee ballot. That's why we're voting on him around now. Uh, so some facts about his career. He was a three-time Gold Glover. He was a seven-time MLB All-Star, uh, nine times if you count the double selections he got in 1959, 1960, because for a short period of time though, there, there's two All-Star games a year. Uh, look that up if you don't believe me. That is correct. I believe it was four years that happened and super strange, but it does really up some of those uh, players' All-Star counts. But if you want to count that, that's nine. And if you want to count the Negro League All-Star appearances, which Minnie did play in for uh, several years before he got into the MLB... He's a 13-time All-Star. In the MLB, though, in Major League Baseball, though, he did lead the league in stolen bases three times, triples three times, hits once, runs once, and he was top four in MVP voting four different years in 1951, which was actually his first full year in Major League Baseball, 1953, 54, and 1960. I do want to call it he should have won the MVP award in 1954. Uh, Yogi Berra won with a 5.3 war. Mini Minoso had a 8.2 WAR, so I'm not, you know I'm not a guy who just relies on WAR solely, but three wins above the winner kind of shows something. Uh, back in the 50s, and a lot of times when the Yankees were always winning the pennant in the World Series, I think it always went to a Yankee. But uh, we're not going to go into that today. But I think he should have won the 1954 MVP award. If you look at the numbers against Bear, it's pretty clear it's Minoso. He led the league in triples that year with 19. He also hit 320 that year with a 411 on-base percentage, 535 slugging percentage, 119 runs scored, and 119 RBIs. Uh, But he did not win that year. Those are Minoso's stats. I do want to call it, to in the beginning, and Adam and I cover this quite extensively throughout the podcast, but me, Minoso, is a a pioneer above all things for baseball. Uh, He was the first great Latino baseball star. Uh, he was not the first Latino to play in Major League Baseball but he was the first star and if you look throughout history any of the Latin American players that came after Mini Minoso they uh, most of them I would say at one point or another like they give thanks they pay tribute to Minnie Minoso saying that he was the person that they saw playing in Major League Baseball that made them think hey that can be a career path for me uh, he has been called the Jackie Robinson uh, of Latin American baseball players. And when you just look at the impact from that standpoint that Monoso had, that he was the first great star, that all-time greats like Roberto Clemente refer to Minnie Monoso as their Jackie Robinson and how much he meant to them. Uh, Monoso's career, as great as it was, and and Adam and I do go into all the numbers, and based on numbers alone, uh, there's a very strong argument for him being in the Hall of Fame. Him as a pioneer, I think, is the even stronger um, argument. His significance in baseball history, what he means to major league history. um, I think that actually is even a stronger case for him to possibly be in the hall than even his playing. But he was a great player as well. And again, Adam and I cover all of that. So um, we're going to bring Adam on now. Again, have a great Thanksgiving. If you're having, you know, passing the sides around this Thursday, uh, you know, cramming the stuffing on your plate, the corn casserole, the broccoli casserole, pretty much all sides, maybe one little slice of turkey. When you're doing all that, people might be having a different conversations. table. Maybe bring a pot of fame. Say you might, you know, enjoyable. Maybe Uncle, Uncle Phil might like it. Maybe Aunt Janice might like it. I don't know. Just bring it up maybe um, while you're passing those sides. Give us a little shout out. But in all seriousness, have a great time with your family. Enjoy the time off of work. And enjoy this podcast. So with all of the quick facts out of the way, let's bring on Adam. All right. So joining us today on the podcast is the head of user experience at Sports Reference, Adam Dorowski. Adam, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, Jim. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Uh, of course. So um, Adam, today we are talking about the Hall of Fame cansy of many Minoso, who, of course, is a part of the Golden Days Air Committee ballot that will be voted on December 5th. Uh, Minnie, of course, played years and years ago, and and a lot of people think he's long overdue for the belt. but there's obviously reasons why maybe he has not been elected as of today. And uh, per usual, Adam Meyer discussed Minnie's career, um, his Hall of Fame candidacy, and also maybe talk about why it's It'd be taking this long for him to get in as, again, I think many people out there think he should have been in years ago. But Adam, before we talk about mini, I got to ask because your job title sounds like a lot of people that listen to this pods probably a dream job. You're the head of user experience at Sports Reference. Can you just really quickly tell the listeners what exactly that means? Because I know I'm on your site pretty much daily. And I know a lot of my friends are and the people that listen to this as well. So it sounds like you have the dream job if that's what you're doing all day. You're on the site. I know it's probably a lot harder work than that but can you tell the listeners really quick what you do over there
0: yeah i have to say it absolutely is uh, the dream job it's i i absolutely love it uh, my job is making sure that people who use baseball reference and basketball reference and all of our sites are able to do what they need to do and do it efficiently and it's both incredibly fun because obviously our subject matter is is sports it's great uh but it's also uh <laughs> incredibly complicated like uh I, I work a lot on our Stathead product and that's our, our premium research tool and you know, designing an interface that allows people to look for any play or any specific game in the history of the sport by a a multitude of parameters. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. So, uh, half the time I'm telling myself, like, I I can't believe you're doing this for a living. I, how did you get here? And, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, maybe not everybody could do this. It takes a special (laughs) kind of mind to be able to, to do this. Uh, Yeah, Maybe maybe it's a good one for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. Um, I mean, job title alone I feel like that is the if you're at a dinner party and uh you don't know many people there and someone asks you what you do and you throw that title out there I don't know I feel like you're the popular guy there that's at least I would I would if I ran into you at anything I would want to talk you off all night um we are lucky enough to have you on here of course again to talk about Mini Minoso and and Adam I know you've listened to the podcast before so you know when I bring someone on the first thing I ask them is when you know Mini comes to or you know when you Hear about Minnie, or someone brings him up in conversation. I guess, what's the first thing that's come to your mind?
0: I think the first thing that comes to mind with Minnie is that he's a pioneer, a trailblazer. So there are so many ways that he was. He was the first uh, Black Cuban in the major leagues. He was the first Black player in not just White Sox history, but in Chicago history. The Cubs had not yet integrated as well. Um, And that made it an interesting path for him because he was the first player that had to deal with both the color line and the language barrier. So like he was being called things, he had no idea what he was being called. It was it was a, just a very different path that he took uh, compared to really anybody else up to that point. Um, you know, players like Roberto Clemente say that Mini Minoso was, was their hero. So t- for someone like Clemente to say that is, is a huge deal. And as we're going to go into like the other thing, I think like that's first and foremost, Minnie Minoso's case, but the player he was, was this dynamic player that, uh, on the surface is, is a hall of fame player anyway. And I think all of the things that I just mentioned really just highlight his case even more and push him way over the borderline.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you, when Minnie Minoso passed away, uh, back in 2015, a lot of people were coming out and saying, you know, he, I think they've said this before he passed away, but you know, he was the Jackie Robinson for Latino baseball players coming in. Um, he's yes. their version of Jackie Robinson. And, you know, you would never imagine a hall of fame without Jackie Robinson. Um, you know, Larry Doby of course was the first African-American in the AL um, and he followed, you know, Jackie Robinson a few months later. And he took a actual long time, I think, to get into the hall of fame. I think he, I believe he got in 98 eventually But, you know, Minnie's right up there with those pioneers. And for him to be the Jackie Robinson of the Latino community, and we know that the MLB today is what made up over, I I believe last time I looked, it's well over a fourth of the people and players in the MLB are, you know, Latino descent at this point. Um, I, I think that matters so much. And you made an excellent point. It's not just he was a pioneer, though, without any of that. If he just came to league in the 60s or 70s and wasn't one of the first Um, And and the first really great Latino player, he still has that resume. So it's the combination of both, um, which I, when I think of him, that's what I think of. And again, I think that's why a lot of people struggle with the fact that maybe he's not in, I I would say, Adam, I would guess. If you would ask the average fan, maybe a White Sox fan, maybe any fan, uh, if Minnie was in the hall of fame already, I think a lot would probably just, he's one of those players they probably thought got in, And they just assumed he was in, you know, his numbers retired by the Sox. Um, You know, there's a statue of him at at their field. I think he's probably just one of those players. If you told them he's not in Cooperstown already, they'd be like, oh, like I would have assumed he got in years ago.
0: I, I do think he's that type of player. I mean, you could make the case that he was certainly one of the 10 best players in the 1950s. And honestly, the, the national league was stacked then. So, you know, besides, the big Yankees like, like Mantle and Barra, he was the top player in the American League in the 1950s. And, and to have a, a player of that stature not be in is a glaring hole in, in the Hall of Fame. I should mention uh, Joe Posnanski, who I believe he also had on on this podcast. He, he constructed his list of the top 100 uh, players outside of the Hall of Fame. And Mignoso ended up as his number one. And to have someone of, of Joe's... Uh, background say that, Joe has been studying this stuff for decades, it, it really means a lot. Like There are reasons for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens or whatnot to, to not be in the Hall of Fame, but Joe said, Mini Minoso, there is no such case. There is no reason for him not to be in. And uh, that was just a, a really compelling thing, and I'm so glad he's on this ballot again. He has had kind of a, uh, an interesting history on the veterans committees. It's really just the last couple that he's made some progress and I hope to see that progress continue into induction this year, and I think there's a decent chance.
1: Yeah, so um, just real quick background, so he was last, this Golden Air Committee met last in 2015, Um, he got eight of the 12 votes in 2015, or I'm sorry, eight of the 16 votes, you need 12 of 16 um, to, to move on, so In in 2015, he got eight of the 16, so he missed by four. And then in 2012, he got nine of 16. So he's been close, but he hasn't been the year. And again, this is the year he's up again. I feel like there's a lot of momentum around him right now. Um, I live in Chicago, uh, Adam, so it's all over the news right now. This is the one time where people are actually getting, I think, Cooperstown news earlier than when the election comes up. So he is in the news cycle around here. And again, this is going to be, you know, he's been on this ballot a number of times now, and this is the year where maybe, maybe he will get over, but I do want to move to our, our next segment here, uh, Adam, you know, we call this that memorable moment. And I'm, I'm very liberal with this segment. It can be, you know, a specific game, play, I say playoff series, but I know, um, you know, Minnie was never, um, in the major league world series. I believe he won a, in the Negro leagues, he won a world series, but what would you say Minoso's most memorable moment was?
0: I thought about this one a lot. Cause, uh, luckily I'm familiar with the show and the, the segments that you have. So I was, thinking about what to take here. And I, and I landed on his 1951 rookie season, mm. but I, I'm going to step back a little ways to kind of explain what led up to that rookie season. Cause I think that's an important part of Mini Minosa's case. A lot of people look at his career and see that he started in 1951 yep. and that's not the whole career of Mini Minosa. So uh, walk with me here 1946 he's 20 years old uh, well it's minnesota so we're we're not exactly sure how old he was we think <laughs> we think he was 20 he's uh, playing for the new york, new york cubans uh, as a third baseman right fielder uh, 94 ops plus not a not a tremendous player yet just a, you know a little below league average 1947 21 years old he's an all-star he's named to both east west all-star games that year as a third base/shortstop he hit 356 he had a 4, 4, 406 OBP, 508 slugging. That's a 149 OPS plus. Mini Minoso is now a star. If there's one thing we know about the top players in the Negro leagues, is that when they came over to the major leagues, they were the top players in the major leagues as mm-hmm. well. And he already was at 21 years old. So that was also the year that he hit 333 in the Negro League World Series against the Cleveland Buckeyes and won won a title. 1948, he's 22 years old. How does he follow that up? He's even better. 344, 481, 556 slugging. That's a 170 OPS plus again at third base and shortstop named to both East West all-star games again. So with the New York Cubans, he had 510 plate appearances. He had 313, 366, 484 across those uh, three seasons. He was recommended to the Indians by Abe Saperstein of the Harlem Globetrotters uh, and Abe was there checking out um, a teammate of Munoz's. actually. It was um, Jose Santiago. He was checking him out for Bill that It was actually Santiago who said, "No, you got to take this Minoso guy too." And uh, they signed both of them. So then in 1949, I, I'm sorry, first 1948, he played just 11 games in the minor leagues for uh, in the Cleveland system and just hit 525, you know, nothing too big. 21 for 40. <laughs> so he was already a uh, clobber in the minor leagues there. So 1949, he starts with Cleveland. He plays nine games, goes three for 16, but they had already just won the World Series in 1948. Didn't have a ton of room for him. So they sent him to AAA tore the cover off the ball, 297, 22 home runs that year. And then he's 23 years old. And what do they do? Like they put him in the minor leagues again. And he was doing this at AAA. So it's like he's knocking on the door. So 1950, Mini Minoso is in AAA. He's already been an all-star twice in the, in the Negro Leagues. He's already won a Negro League World Series. This guy is already star quality. So he just stays in AAA for another year because they don't have room. And he gets 203 hits, 20 homers, one hundred and fifteen RBI, hits 339, tears the cover off the ball again. So 1951, the year we're talking about now, comes around. He's 25 years old. There's still no room for him. At third base, they have Al Rosen. The outfield is already Larry Doby, Dale Mitchell, and Bob Kennedy. First base, they've got Luke Easter. They also have Harry Simpson, who's another up-and-coming black outfielder. And this is where we have to say, oh, well, he was blocked. Other players get blocked. It's different with Minoso though. They couldn't just trade him. And you know why? Nobody else had integrated. There was only like three teams that had integr- integrated at this point. So nobody's gonna take Mini Minoso. So they can't really just trade him to just anyone. Now I'm gonna walk through uh, the players that had integrated their teams at that point. It's Jackie Robinson for the Dodgers, Larry Doby for Cleveland, Hank Thompson and Willard Brown were integrating integrated the Browns in 1947. But by the end of 1947, they were both gone. They were back to the monarchs. Dan Bankhead uh, and Roy Campanella uh, had also joined the Dodgers. So the Dodgers already had plenty of, of young Black talent. And the Indians also had Satchel Page here. So there weren't any other teams until the White Sox, who had not yet integrated, came along and traded for him. So then he joins the White Sox uh, at the end of April. I think it was April 30th. And he tears the cover off the ball. Mm -hmm. He is fourth in the MVP voting. And this is with basically missing a month. His numbers were 326. Uh, He scored 112 runs combined. Uh, He had 5.4 war. He led the league in triples, stolen bases, and hit by pitch. He was an (laughs) all-star. Somehow finished second in the Rookie of the Year voting to Gil McDougald. Uh, McDougald was ninth in the MVP voting and Minoso was fourth. So a lot of fans in Cleveland were outraged. So that is a long way of saying that when he was a rookie, this is a guy who had already the pedigree to be an established star for several seasons. And we need to consider that when talking about Minnie Minoso's career.
1: And I think that, thank you for walking through all that because I think it's super important to, to really recognize that. I think that's one of the biggest glaring things. I think when, when people looked at his candidacy in the past, and again, he was on the ballot for the whole 15 years back in the 80s through 99, and he, he never got over 21%. That was the highest he ever got. He got 21% of the vote in 1988. So he's never even close. And I, you know I, I have not talked to any of the voters that were voting back then and exactly what they were thinking or why, you know, he wasn't getting it. We, we might talk a little about this in court, but I think one of the things was, you know, base, the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's, it's all about accumulating stats over time. And, you know, he didn't have at that point the, the 2,000 hits that I think everyone looks at as a, a milestone you have to hit. Um, he didn't have some of these milestones everyone looks for. I mean, the slash line's excellent. I don't know if people are looking at on-base slugging OPS Plus as much as they do today. But they look at stuff like hits and they say, "Okay, he doesn't have two thousand hits. There's no way we can talk about him." Things like that. It's so important to look at that. He should have been the majors probably five years earlier, four, four at least, but five years earlier. That is a number of seasons where he's picking up and he's getting well over that hits total and all of that. And the thing that I guess not frustrating but confusing is, you know, you look at Jackie Robinson's career and he, of course, started super late because. He was not allowed in the major leagues, and he didn't reach any of the totals that I was just referring to because you know he was blocked from from coming in. He should have been in years earlier, but he didn't get in until he was 26 years old. Larry Doby didn't break in until he was you know 24. Um, that's like even younger than many though. I mean, he was 25, possibly 28, as you alluded to earlier. We, the age thing, I I don't. Just a question for you, Adam. Where do you land on the age? Was he twenty-five or twenty-eight? Because it seems to me he was probably twenty-five when he got in, but there seems to be a lot of back and forth there.
0: I think it's more likely that he was twenty-five, or I think possibly twenty-six, but um, their, their twenty-eight figure is still out there. Um, but I think it's it's best for us to operate on the most conservative side. Like if he's if he was twenty-eight when he started this. He's absolutely like he should have been a Hall of Famer decades ago. We should. So 25, at least like this. Yeah, that's where I'm on that.
1: Yeah. But back to the, the point you were making and I was finishing up there. It's just he came in late and it was not because of his play whatsoever. He was ready to be in the majors four or five years earlier. You have to factor it in when you're looking at overall statistics, because I think accolades wise, where he finished in MVP voting wise, and when you look at his peak um, in, in the from like 51, when he was, you know, his rookie season through 61, he had the second highest war in the American league. Um, when you, when you look at something like that, it's like, it's like Mickey Mantle and then him, mm-hmm. and then, you know, people like Yogi Berra, Ted Williams, all of them, they're, they're after him. Um, you, you have to look at that and think this guy would have been doing that, you know, Toward the, the end of the 40s, into the 50s, he just got a late start. I mean, we, we see excellent players. If you look through history, they're age 22, 23, 24 seasons. The phenoms of, of Major League Baseball, they excel. Those are some of their best seasons. Some of them are winning MVP awards already at that point. I mean, he didn't get in until 25. And as you said, he comes on the scene. He's one of the best players in the American League right off the bat. The rookie of the year, losing that. That's insane. But to my knowledge in the 50s, and we can get into this too in court, but you know, he never won an MVP award, but MVP awards tended to only go to the pennant winners back in the fifties. Mm-hmm. In that time, the rookie of the year went to a Yankee that if you weren't a Yankee in the fifties, you kind of weren't winning those awards. And again, I don't know if you can hold that against him, but the fact he's top five for a number of years needs to matter there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned like, uh, I, I instead of taking 51 to 61, cause that was like, that's the ideal, you know. So peak. I, I just took fifty-one to sixty. I figure first decade of his career. Let's take a look at it and That's see the fair. rankings. So um, he was tenth in WAR overall, but he was third in the American League. He was barely behind Barra when you gotcha. take out sixty-one, but then seventh in batting average, seventh in OPS, fifth, uh, uh, sorry, seventh in o- OBP, fifteenth in OPS. So there were like you know. 14 other players that had a better OPS, but he was fifth in hits, fourth in doubles, fifth in triples, sixth in runs, third in stolen bases. So third in stolen bases and 28th in home runs, like you don't find too many players like that. And if you look at the war components, so he was seventh in the batting component. He was 32nd in the base running component. He he, he stole some bases, but he also got caught a good amount. But uh, overall it was a, a good base dealer and, and good base runner. And it was 18th in the fielding component. So I, I searched on Stathead to see, you know, who, who was better in all three of those over that time. And it's Willie Mays. And I thought it was like, okay, Adam, you're cherry picking mini Minoso's numbers. So why don't we cut all of them in half? <laughs> so who how many players were half as good as mini Minoso in those three components of war in that decade? And it was Mays. K-Line, Ashburn, Jackie Robinson, Hank Aaron, Yogi Berra, and Frank Robinson. That's it. I, I, he's unbelievable. He, uh, just a very well-rounded player. So he had the batting, the base, stealing, the, the fielding. And so dynamic. One of those players that came over from the Negro Leagues and was just so exciting. I unfortunately never got to see him play, but, you know, just to hear people talk about what he brought to the field and... Oh. I, yeah. I, I love his case
1: and, and I think like when we're talking about you know he's top 10 in this top 10 in this top five in this a, as you allude to a little bit there with like Willie Mays being there most of the players ahead of him on any of these offensive categories I mean it's it, it's really it's like Hank Aaron like Ted Williams Willie Mays Al Kaline it's it's almost all hall of famers ahead of him it's, it's Eddie Matthews it's Mickey Mantle uh, there's not too many names ahead of him on any of these, you know, main categories doubles, triples, batting average, any of that, that aren't in the Hall of Fame today. And I think that's where, like, his, among his contemporaries, he is right there alongside these types of players. Now, was he Willie Mays? Was he Mickey Mano? Was he these pl- types of players? No, but he, he's in that conversation and, and his overall, like, across the board, he filled. I mean, I'm going to use kind of a basketball term a little bit here, but he just filled the box score up. He 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 kind of did a little of everything. He would have been a fantasy baseball player or a fantasy baseball manager's dream because he's going to get you a bit of everything. So I think his all around talent there is really, um, you know, distributed across that decade again, that peak. And again, he got a late start. If he starts, you know, when he should have maybe at the age of 20 or even, let's say, 21 his his career stats, you know, are, are a lot more in the realm of maybe where Hall of Fame voters would have been comfortable for if they weren't really looking at the fact that he probably lost, you know, four or five really solid career seasons, uh, just because of how unfortunately uh, Major League Baseball was back then.
0: Right, and I mean, I really didn't even get into his defense outside of the the war component, so. Among left fielders, he led in put outs four times, assists six times, double plays four times. When he was in the Negro Leagues, he was a, a third baseman for, for those two all-star years. He led the league in fielding percentage at third base both of those years. <laughs> I mean, in, in court, we could bring this up, but somebody might say, oh, he didn't win his first gold glove until age 31. Well, <laughs> guess what? Yeah. That was the first year the gold glove was given out. That's why. And he won yep. it again at age 33 and 34, but that, that's, that's the way it goes for many So he, he probably would have been winning gold gloves all throughout his twenties, but they didn't have them yet.
1: And, and the, uh, that's a great point. And then also, you know, he plays for the white Sox all of those years. And then the year they make it, he, he, you know, he makes them relevant. They're a very good team. They're the Go-Go Sox throughout the 50s. And then when the White Sox finally make it to the World Series in 59, he's no longer on the team. And um, he's, you know, he played a couple seasons for the Indians there. He gets traded back, I think, that winter after they made it to the World Series. They did not win, but they made it to the World Series. And, um, you know, that's another thing. If he's on the world stage there and he has an excellent World Series, even if, I don't know, maybe he pushes him over the top. Maybe he just has an excellent series. That's that national recognition. He just, unfortunately, he got the team kind of where they need to be. And then he just wasn't on the team when they got to the pinnacle there. Damn. And a, 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 you know what? I want to save this one point for court. So, wait, let's, let's stop there, Adam. All let's right. move to our final mini segment for court because I do have a point there, too. We call this Ann Twins. Ah, no! Quarterbacks eating dirts, pom poms, and stretch skirts. Twins. Um, as you know, this is where we look at Cooperstown and we, we say, you know, who in Cooperstown today most reminds you of Minnie? We, we can go a lot of different ways here. It can be, you know, as a player, how he played, it can be statistically, or it could really be what it meant to the game. I kind of looked at it from one standpoint, but I'm interested to know, who do you think Minnie Minoso's twin is in the Hall of Fame?
0: This was a tough one. I spent a good part of a weekend just like <laughs> thinking, like, oh, there's so many different ways to to do this. So, in terms of actual players who had a very similar career, uh, you got to go way back, and to find Hall of Famers that had a similar career. There are some modern players that I feel are are more similar, but the they're not in Cooperstown, which is the the question. So, <laughs> I, I went way back to Goose Goslin. I found oh, wow. a, as a, a similar player, he hit 316 for his career, 387 OBP, had some power, 248 home runs, had some stolen bases, 176. So just the same type of guy that filled up the box score, as you said, and was also a very good defender as well. And he he grades out at 66.4 war, which many is only at 53.8. But uh, a friend of mine who I had on my podcast, uh, Eric Shalek. He does Negro League MLE, some major league equivalencies. And he attempts to estimate what a war total would be for these Negro League players if they had been given the same opportunities as everyone else. And using that system, Mini Minoso ends up being like a 65, 66 war Mm. player by making up all that ground. So I I felt that Goslin was a, a pretty good one. Al Simmons was another that is really good at everything and uh, hovers right around that amount. He's at 68 war. He's got the, the OBP and the power and the, some of the speed as well. Not, not as much of the speed. Um, he's a little, maybe a little bit more of a Larry Walker player, which maybe is a, a modern player that could be uh, compared to many, although I think uh, Larry Walker did have more uh, batting average and home runs. So among modern players, you're probably looking more at uh, Dwight Evans or, or Bobby Abreu, uh, mm. who are not in Cooperstown, but are, are very solid all around players who are struggling because they are that player type that's good at everything and don't have that one skill that stands out above everything else. But where I ended up going was Larry Doby
1: yep,
0: because he's a very, he's a pretty similar player in that he could do pretty much anything as well. But I think Larry Doby has that, uh, that added aspect of his case uh, where he wasn't Jackie. So he wasn't first and doesn't get a lot of the recognition he deserves because of that. But he went through all the same things that Jackie did. Minnie Minoso did as well and also had to deal with the, the language barrier. So I think the underrated uh, greatness of Larry Doby is something that I really see in Minoso as well.
1: Yeah, so I have I have Larry Doby down. Um, just because I, I, as I agree with you, I I think they're very similar players. Um, They're both pioneers of the game as we talked at the very beginning. And again, if you look at their statistics, um, you know, we talked I talked earlier about how many maybe didn't get in because he didn't accumulate stats enough stats because he didn't play long enough because he was held out of the majors until he was 25. But if you look at him and Dobie other than home runs, I mean, Mini kind of outperformed him across every statistic possible in terms of career runs, hits, doubles, triples, uh, RBIs, they're identical. Home runs, Doby only has the edge on him there, but stolen bases, you know, Mini o- almost has four times as many. And then their slash line, you know, Mini's batting averages is, is a little better. They're, or they're on base slugging, they're very similar. So as a ball player, as a hitter, they're extremely similar players, you know. Doby does have the world series ring in the majors and in the Negro leagues. Um, so, you know, he was on that world Station 48. It's a famous Cleveland team. it's the last Cleveland team to, to win a world series. I don't know if, again, that helps because Minoso never had that in, 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 in the majors, but as pioneers, which they both were, they came up in the same time. If I had to put them head to head, I would pick Mini over Doby to be honest, as, as just a ball player. And then they both have the pioneering aspects. So, I think those are very similar comps. And then, you know, I also, again, I don't know if this is, um, I'm just kind of replaying what I said earlier, but, you know, I, I hold many in the same, you know, category as, as a Larry Doby or, or a Jackie Robinson. Again, these pioneers that came in and they, they, they should have been in the majors six, seven, five, six, seven years earlier. So they didn't have the time to put the stats. Of course, Jackie Robinson is a no-brainer Cooperstown should, should have been in it probably the second after you retired. But again, he, he didn't accumulate the stats that a typical Hall of Famer does lifetime because he wasn't allowed to league until he was 27. And again, many those five years, I'm really glad Adam, in the beginning, you laid out all that time he missed because that's the same thing with Jackie. Why his career numbers, um, if someone just, you know, blind eyed someone and you didn't say it was Jackie Robinson, you'd be like, well, why is that guy in the Hall of Fame? He didn't perform for long enough. That's the same thing Minoso has against him. That's the same thing I think Dobie probably had against him, which is why he took so long. You know, Jackie was the very first, and I think, you know, he was a better player than Dobie or Minoso. He had an MVP award, the 9- 1955 Dodgers, all that stuff. So he didn't have as much resistance getting in the hall as Adobe did. But again, again Minoso, he wasn't the very first. He was, you know, again, the Jackie Robinson to the Latin American community. But I I just don't think he gets as much credit for the pioneer aspect um, of of everything as a Robinson or even Adobe has. And I think comparing them against each other, to me, is is, is fair and who I was really looking at the whole time when I was thinking of this category.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I had Adobe in the back of my mind the whole time. I I wanted to see if I could find a a statistically similar player, but it all comes back to Adobe.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. All right. Adam, let's go to the final segment here. Of course, we call this court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You to. want
0: answers. I want
1: the truth. You can't handle the truth. And this is where we kind of talk, and we've been talking quite a bit about it, the case for and a case against. But this is where we kind of lay out anything we haven't covered so far. And I want to circle back to something I was talking about a, a little bit ago. And we've actually, you and I have talked about throughout this, but you know, what what maybe. Held him back over the years. Was it a lack of an MVP trophy? Um, you know, never being on the biggest stage of the World Series. And I talked about how in '59, when the White Sox finally made it to the World Series, um, you know, Minnie was no longer the team. He went. Um, he went back over to Cleveland in '58, um, and and was not on that that White Sox team uh, that that got to the World Series. And Nellie. Uh, Fox, who was one of his teammates all through the fifties, he, when they got to the world series that year, he won the MVP award because as I said earlier in the fifties, it seemed like to win the MVP, you had to be on the pennant team, Nellie Fox. I feel like got that MVP for the white Sox in 59 with a season that if you look at all the seasons, Minnie put together was nothing really, I mean, nothing against Nellie Fox. He's a hall of famer. I believe he should be in the hall of fame. But if you look at some of Minnie's best seasons, he had four, five, six seasons with the White Sox that I think were much better than than Nellie Fox. He just wasn't there when they finally won the pennant, so he never got that hardware. I think if Minnie gets that MVP trophy, you and I, Adam, unfortunately, might not be talking today.
0: We'd have someone else to talk about. Don't (laughs) worry. I think that's absolutely true. Like Minnie's timing on a lot of things, it didn't work out for him i mean the case against i, I you can pretty easily lay out the case against mini Minoso. the only issue is it's all rooted in ignorance so if he, the case against is just looking at his raw numbers and not looking at the context so he hit 299 oh not quite 300 hit 185 home runs eh, that's not not 200 that's not a, a large amount 1960 hits not quite 2000 we like to see 2000 he only had three gold gloves you know it would have been better for minioso if he started his career even later and had or, or even earlier and had no gold gloves yep because now it looks like he only had three it's like no he had three from age 31 on and and could have had so many more so the players who uh, who uh, had their careers before the gold glove was even a thing uh that they kind of make out by saying you know they have none because there wasn't any award yet so and then no major awards so yep, yeah, he didn't win rookie of the year well he should have he didn't win MVP. Well, he should have in 1954. He didn't win the World Series. Well, actually he did with the the Cubans before the the uh the Negro Leagues was uh, considered a major league. So, I mean, that's the case against and I I feel like I have something to to retort with on every single bullet point.
1: Yeah. No, you make excellent points and something Adam I'm, I'm hoping you can speak to because I think I want to say this has happened within the last year, so um, I'm sure you've been, you were very heavily involved in, you can tell me how much you were, but I think something that does help Minnie's case at this point. Now, it didn't help him for years and years and years because I don't think it existed, but recently, Baseball Reference did add um, the Negro League uh, data into your system and it does count toward the total, so Minnie did get over 2,000 hits with those totals he did inch closer to um, getting to 200 home runs he did pick up additional stone bases can you talk a little bit about when that was actually because I don't know when that was actually put into sports reference and and what kind of work took to get there because I do think having that having the world series at the top showing that he what had the highest slugging percentage in 1948 when he was only 22 I think that helps tell the narrative that you've been telling today and people that follow the game know but maybe the Even voter that doesn't seem to to care or take the time to notice that, that they're kind of neglecting, you're at least putting it on a a broader stage on a site that, you know, thousands, millions of people look at. I think that does help his case. Can you tell a little more a bit about when that all happened and how long of a process it took to kind of get that up on your site?
0: Certainly, yeah. So uh, Major League Baseball made the announcement in, I think it was December of 2020 that the Negro leagues would be quote unquote elevated to major league status. So that, this was something that was kind of brewing inside sports reference for a while. It, this the, We had already started to make some movement on this and, and talk to the, the folks at heads about uh, being able to use their data because uh, I should explain to the listeners a group called Seamheads. They run a Negro League database. And what they've done is they have gone and collected every possible box score that you can possibly get from the Negro Leagues and entered it into this database. And they have the best data for the Negro Leagues out there. Where This is how we know uh, that Mini Minoso hit 356 in 1947, because these researchers collected these box scores and tabulated everybody's stats and they only include box scores that were against other top competition. And they only include box scores that they have the complete data for. Uh, well, it, in some cases there might be like caught stealing data missing or something like that, but they need to have like hits and hits allowed and stuff like that. They, they can't be like missing all the pitching data from a game or something. And this is where we get this, this additional picture of not just Mini Minoso, but so many hundreds of Negro League players that have now been given this major league status. In in May, we launched the update to the site, where uh, we now have uh, all of the the heads data uh, showing on player pages, and you get things like Josh Gibson is now third all time in the the Black Ink category that I know you're talking about in the Barry Bonds episode. Uh, we have <laughs> uh, you know Oscar Charleston has a ton of Black Ink as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnie Minoso is actually not the only player that passed the 2000 hit plateau because of this. Hmm. Jim Gilliam is the other one. Jim Gilliam is someone that's come up a lot on my podcast. He's he's one of those players, just like Minnie, who he was an all-star in the Negro Leagues. He got uh, signed by the Dodgers and was stashed in the minors and finally uh, was given a chance when he was already a great player and one rookie of the year. So it's a, it's like the, the other mini Minoso is Jim Gilliam. So, you know, if you ever want to talk about Gilliam, you know, hit me up, but yeah, yeah, so this was just an amazing project that has uh, it's given me a new lease on life with like uh, researching all of this. So like I've been sifting through all the Negro league data that we get, finding new players that should be in the hall of fame. There's, you know, heavy Johnson, home run Johnson, uh, they're not all Johnsons, don't worry. But okay. like uh, <laughs> Dick Lundy, Dobie Moore, like some of these players are like um, among the greatest players of all time. And, and we have data for that now to prove it. And it's just an unbelievable project to be a part of. Um, I played uh, a very small part of it. I just kind of coordinate a lot of things and, and watched a lot of other people do amazing work. And uh, it was so fulfilling. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough about the process.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's excellent work. I, it's, it was long overdue. It was awesome that major league baseball, you know, recognized it and called that out. And and again, stuff like getting that onto the site and, and acknowledging that by major league baseball, that draws attention to a case like mini Minoso and other players that you mentioned, because it does get them across these thresholds, like it or not, people, people care about. I mean, when, when Buster Posey retired, um, I, everyone, everyone was calling out that, you know, he's a, a first ballot hall of famer and they, um, I felt like, I felt like a bad guy. Cause I, I love Buster Posey, but I saw he had 1500 hits and I'm just, I know how voters vote and I know how they've historically vote and they don't vote people in with under 2000, 2000 hits. That's just, they haven't done it in the last 60 years. They're, they're not really doing it. Um, so to, to me, it wasn't. And I know with Minoso, I think that's something that people get hung up in, and him being able to cross that threshold and it being called out that he is now over that. It at minimum draws attention to his career and, and the time before he got in the major leagues. Um, but it also draws attention to so many other players, as you mentioned, that now people are just becoming familiar with. So I, again... Excellent job by you all over there. at sports reference. It's great to to be in there. And then again, it also helps Minnie's case and allows, you know, people that I don't know, hang, like, I don't hang my hats on those as much as other people, but I know voters do. It hopefully helps them acknowledge that, Hey, you know, one, he's over 2000 hits recognized now by major league baseball, but two, maybe they look a little closer at what was going on between 1946. And when he finally got in the league in 1951, And they kind of understand that, hey, this guy should have been in the league five years earlier. I can't hold him not getting to so-and-so. Who knows what he would have done from age 20 to 24. Um, Could have won an MVP finally. Could have got the White Sox off in the right direction. Or God, if he stays on Cleveland, if they never get rid of him, who knows what those Cleveland teams could have done. So all kinds of what ifs. We can't go back. We can just kind of think about and appreciate how talented he was, how he as you said, he came to the league in 51. And he's, the, he's fourth in MVP voting his rookie year. Um, let's just say it probably shouldn't have been his rookie year. that should have been his third or fourth year. And we missed out on a lot on many, which is unfortunate, but we can at least appreciate it now. and a lot of the work that sports reference does allows us to do that. Along with that, Adam, I'm just curious your personal opinion on this. We're talking about hits now. He got over 2,000 hits when you added the Negro Leagues. I know there's a researcher. The name, I was going to, I need to give him credit for this. One second.
0: It's Scott Simkus, right?
1: Yes. Okay. I know you know where, I, you know where I'm going? Okay. You know. So he went together and oh, we haven't even really mentioned that. You know what? I, okay. Adam, I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us because we are about 45 minutes in and we have at no point mentioned Minnie coming in to play, you know, when he was 50 and 54 years old because. We probably should talk about that real quick.
0: But we should, probably it, because it hurt we, his It case. hurts him. Let's yeah. talk
1: about it after we go to the hits thing. But okay. we haven't yet. And I'm proud because I think a lot of people go there immediately. And I think that's what's actually killed him over the years. Because that is, to some people, his most memorable moment. He's more of a trivia question anything. But let's cover the hits thing first. So anyway, you brought up the researcher, Scott Simkus. Um, he took a look. And as I was going to say... You know, Minnie retired from Major League Baseball in 64 at the age of 38, but he did not stop playing baseball. He, he pretty much continued to play um, in, in the Mexican League for a while. I think he played in the Cuban League for a while after that. He continuously played baseball. I think I saw somewhere when he was like 47, he was still batting like 270 in the Mexican League or something crazy yeah. like that. But he, anyway, this researcher went back and calculated all of his professional hits across any of the leagues he ever played in and he did this for all players and Pete Rose is is still at the very top of that list and then it goes Cobb and then Ichiro because of of course his Japanese his career in the Japanese league before he came to America at age 27 and then there's Hank Aaron there's a guy I do not know if you know him Adam I Jigger Stance I've never heard of him
0: Yeah, longtime Pacific Coast League player. He just loved it out there and and hit a ton (laughs) out there. So Jiggers 5,
1: Julio Franco, who we all know from MLB, and he played very until very old age in MLB, he had over 4,000. And then Mini Minoso is number seven with 4,073 hits. So he is one of nine players in baseball history across all leagues across the world to have over 4,000 hits. So my question, so that's doubling what he what he has, you know, on, on reference. Adam, my question to you is: for the Baseball Hall of Fame, which does not call out the ML, it's not the MLB Hall of Fame, it is the Baseball Hall of Fame. To you, should that matter at all when we're talking about his candidacy?
0: It, it is called the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Ah. Uh, so, um, but first of all, I don't think that mignoso needs that where we might want to decide like if this needs to be considered is if we were going to consider maybe a Julio Franco. Um, I will say that uh, researching the Negro leagues has given me a newfound uh, interest and appreciation of the career of Julio Franco. He, he kind of had that uh, that ethos of the, the Negro leagues, like I'm going to play wherever I can play and, and do it forever. Uh, but this is not a Julio Franco podcast. Again, I'll be happy to come on that one. But um, in terms of the, the four thousand hits, I, I think it, it certainly is better than having it not happen. I mean, like I, I think that Ichiro, as an example, by by itself, his major league stats um, are going to get him in the Hall of Fame but he would be far more of a, a borderline player if he didn't have his, his Japanese league uh, stats, uh, but he's going to fly into the the hall of fame. So you have to say that it counts for something, right? Cause he's going to fly in because of that. And and part of that may be because he got the stats uh, in Japan, or part of that might be because he delayed his start uh, in, in the U S for that long. So it's a little of both, but I, I think that it does have to be considered at least somewhat, uh, because these players were doing this uh, elsewhere. Now, there are some players um, that are in the uh, Seamhead's Negro League database where like 90% of their career was outside of the country. Like, how do I how do I look at those types of players? Like, Lazaro Salazar would be a good example. Uh, he was a great player, but he did not play very much in the United States. So him, I don't really consider him as much. But like someone like Minoso, where the, bulk of his his career was in the US. So that was the, the majors, the minors, and the Negro Leagues. I, I think it certainly uh, can boost his case even further.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of have a similar opinion. Um, you got to, I think, one, I just appreciate someone that loves the game that much and just wants to keep playing itself. Um, I think that matters a lot. Can, can you really factor it in? Is that going to be if he one day gets in on his plaque, I don't think so. But at the same time, I, I do, it's there. I'm, I'm looking at it, I see it, and I appreciate it. I think it's just a cool kind of club to be a part of. Um, before we go to final verdict, Adam, let's circle back to what we were about to talk about. And the thing that we did not bring up this whole mm-hmm. podcast, which I think any podcast talking about, Mini, is going to bring up way sooner than we did. So good for us. But it's probably one of the biggest. Other than the stats accumulation, which we've been talking about throughout, one of the biggest things, which is stupid that it would ever hurt him because it's it's such a, it's, it's five games of his entire career. But for those of you at home that don't know, um, in 1976, at the age of 50, he came back to play for the White Sox for three games and actually did get a hit in, in eight at-bats. And then in 1980, so he could say he played in, I think it's five decades Mm -hmm. um he was brought back at the age of 54 now he had he played two games he he pitch hit twice um he did not get a hit there and then that was the very last game he played in major league baseball and the reason why it hurts him not uh (laughs) it didn't you know hurt his batting average too much or anything like that but it's just to some people you know he retired in 64 and he came back so 12 years later and It's almost like that's the last memory people have, of him. this guy who's come back at 50, 54, more of a publicity stunt than anything else. And it just kind of, I don't want to say left a bad taste in people's mouth, but that's kind of the lasting memory. And I would say if you say, you know, what's the first thing you think of about Minnie Minoso or what's your most memorable moment? You know, Adam, you had very good answers for me and the same answers I would have but I think a lot of people would point to those games and those are, those are not significant other than he was very old and they suited him up and he was able to get a hit at age 50, but that has nothing really to do with his career yet. That doesn't define him, but it's, it's what a lot of people remember. And I think that really hurt his hall of fame candidacy over the last 40 or plus years.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, we should tie it in with, with his appearances on the BBWA ballot. So he retired in 64, he hit the ballot. I think it was 1969 and got hardly any uh, support, but that was not not surprising because that was at an era when nobody was able to get in the Hall of Fame. Like That was when Eddie Matthews and Yogi Berra and, and folks like that, it took forever to, to get a look as well. So he drops off the ballot. He's brought back to the ballot in 1986. And if you're a Hall of Fame voter in 1986, what do you remember about Minimino Minoso Like, oh, he's that guy that pinch hit yeah. when he was like 54 years old a few years ago. <clears throat> so, he was, you know, still getting fifteen and twenty percent of the vote on the BBWI ballot, but I think he had this, this aura about him that it was a little bit more of a gimmick. And uh, again, like people were not considering Negro League numbers at that time because the heads researchers had not collected all that data yet, and they just had a very incomplete picture of Minoso at that point when he was on the ballot. And the the extra plate appearances, I think, just kind of made it a little bit worse for him.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't have. I mean, and this is a reoccurring theme throughout, right? He comes on the ballot at the wrong time. He comes on the ballot just several years after he makes that kind of publicity stunt appearance. The gold gloves doesn't, don't come around till he's already in his 30s. The White Sox don't make it to the pennant until he's in Cleveland for a couple of years after all those years in the White Sox. He should have been in the majors probably at the age of 19 or 20, doesn't get to 25. He is someone, there is a lot of what ifs around Minoso that, again, we can talk about, debate, we can predict what maybe would have happened, but all there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of things that, a lot of these things are, com- almost everything actually is completely out of his control, mm-hmm. but unfortunately have been held against him, and if there's not people speaking up and bringing up some of these points, which again, you've said earlier, you have a comeback for every single, I guess, reason why people maybe think he shouldn't be in and they're extremely valid reasons as long as you're kind of open-minded going into this it seems like it's a no-brainer but people are either stubborn or they can't see past what they think or they feel like they know what they know and that's probably why you know we are talking about him on this golden air ballot in 2022 talking about someone who really last played his you know an actual you know season in the majors back in 64. So it's, it's been a very long time coming. And again, he's on this 2022 golden days ballot with a a lot of other great players. So Adam, that kind of brings us to final verdict here. Um, You know, I have two questions I always ask at the end of this and I might add a third because, you know, we're coming up on the ballot this year for him, but you know, my two questions are one, would, would you vote mini Minoso in? And I, I think I know the answer, but I always ask. And then two, do you actually think he will get in and let's make it for this golden ballot air for the 2021 20 i'm sorry 2022 ballot do you think he'll get in on this ballot so first question do you think he'll get in and then do you think he'll get in on the 2022 golden days air ballot
0: all right so do i think he's a hall of famer i absolutely do i would uh joe had him as number one on his list i certainly have him top five i haven't Ranked my top five candidates, but I have him right there with with Buck O'Neill, Doc Adams, Dick Allen, those Lou Whitaker, yeah, that and and he's probably the top five among that group. Uh, I don't I don't have a ranking for that group, but anyway, will he get in this this winter? So the Golden Days era ballot um, is going to be reviewed this winter. He's on it. I think that Dick Allen who missed by one vote last time mm-hmm. and passed away after that. Uh, I think he's going to get in. Mini Minoso, uh, I keep going back and forth on. I could see them putting Minoso in to rectify the mistake that they've made because he also passed away since he, he missed mm-hmm. uh, election last time. But at the same time, there are also a couple of well, there are three living candidates on the, on the ballot. There are Tony Oliva, there's Jim Cott, and there are Maury Wills. I don't think those are the best candidates on the ballot, but I think that they're solid Hall of Fame candidates. I could see two things happening. I could see Minoso going in because on merit, he's one of the two best, but I could also see them using Minoso and, and also Allen as an example and saying, let's stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Let's stop inducting people one cycle too late and if that's what they do i would be okay with one cycle uh waiting another cycle for mini So if they put in like a tony oliva or a jim cot or both like i i don't want to see oliva and cot or even maury wills if he does get in go in immediately after they've passed away that's the wrong time to do it so i would vote for they, they get four votes on this ballot. I would vote for Alan Minoso, and then Oliva and Cott, even though my top four would probably be Alan Minoso, Ken Boyer, and maybe Billy Pierce. Uh, but again, living candidates, we've got to get living candidates in. We're losing them left and right, particularly for this era. We also recently lost Bill Freehand, who I think is an excellent candidate, but he has not made it onto this ballot. I thought that he would uh, following his passing, but so I guess that's my answer. I, I, if I had to pick one way to go, I, I probably would see, honestly, I think it's probably going to be Allen and Meneoso, but I do think that they should maybe pause and try to get that third candidate in, or even if they need to to replace Minioso, they, they could do that. But I, I think he'll get in this winter though.
1: Yeah. So I've, if we made it pretty, I usually, Adam, you know, I try to make it kind of a reveal at the end. If, right. if we think this was one of those more open ones, just like I did with Barry Bonds. So like this is more, I wanted to appreciate Minoza because I, I feel like he to me is a, a no brainer should be in and should have been in 30, 40 years ago. Um, I think it's insane. It's, it's, he's still not in at this point. If I didn't make it obvious enough throughout, Um, so I of course think he should be in from a pioneer standpoint as well as just the player he was from both. I think it's a combo. Do I think he'll get in eventually? I I do. I think he will be in the hall of fame one day. Do I think he'll get in on this ballot? I don't. And it's to the point you made about too many players. It's too big of a thing with Dick Allen passing away. Just like, I mean, I think he was, as you said, I think he's getting in this time around. Um, him passing away right before the vote, uh, you know, many passing away in 2015. Of course, I'm a Cubs fan. Ron Santo passing away before he got in. I think it happens way too often, as you said. I imagine they do want to correct that and, and honor people while they are alive, um, just because it's been happening so frequently now, as you said, people are passing.
0: Marvin Miller is another. Yeah.
1: yeah. And as you said, I'd be okay with it for this time. Not because I don't, I think maybe some of these players are more deserving, but I do think they, some of them should be in the hall of fame. And I I don't want to call out who I exactly think, because I do have episodes coming up on some of these players, but I do think some of these players that are alive today still deserve to be in. And it'd it'd be great if they could be on stage accepting instead of some, a family member, um, especially when they're so close. So, I, I, I don't think he'll get in 2022. If he did, I'd love it, of course, but I do think he might have to wait one more cycle. And then the only other reason I say that is I just go back to, you know, the last time this, this group voted, um, in 2015, you know, Monoso got eight of the, you know, 16 votes, um, all the players that got more votes from him are still on this ballot, you know, Dick Allen got 11. So he was one off, as we said, uh, Tony got 11. He was one off Jim got 10. So he was two off. And then Wills was, was nine. So all these people are still ahead of him. I know it's a different um, I don't know if the committee's completely different or it's some of the same. I, I haven't looked at the names as closely, but I think that's a big swing for him to kind of leapfrog over four people that were ahead of him last time by a, uh, a few votes. Um, I just, that seems like a stretch. Um, you know, maybe the recent data that, that's been put out by, by reference and recognized by MLB, maybe that puts him more up in the right and him and Dick Allen to, you know, former White Sox getting in at the same time. Maybe that's kind of what happens here. I'm not sure. But if I had to put money on it, I think it's going to be Dick Allen. I think it's going to be someone else. I think Minnie's gonna maybe have to wait one more cycle, but then I think he gets in. That's how I see it playing out. Again, if I'm wrong, I'd be I'd love to be wrong here.
0: That's that's the thing. Like if if Minoso doesn't get in, it better be co- better be because Oliva <laughs> and Orkat got in. Yep. Like if it's just Allen, oh that's no. gonna be frustrating. I can't.
1: No, I can't do that. It, it should be two of them. It should be two. Of this I know the math gets. You, I know we were just talking before the pod. You, you were helping your son out with math. I, I know maybe you were working on this before the pod, but uh, I know the math gets a little confusing on how many people they can vote for, um, how many people can actually be elect- elected, and you just cancel so many people out because of the limited votes each voter has. I believe each has four votes, correct?
0: Right. the 64 yep. votes for 10 candidates. Yep. It makes it hard, especially if like if two guys get a ton of support, there's half the votes right there. Correct.
1: All right. Well, that wraps up our mini Minoso episode. Um, Adam, before we get out of here, um, I know you have a podcast going, I believe right now, as well as, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the tools at at Sports Reference, but uh, anything you want to plug here at the end?
0: Yeah, sure. First of all, I appreciate you doing this podcast because uh, I remember when I first came a, uh, upon it because I was very happy because I didn't have to make this podcast now. It was one that I <laughs> I was like, oh, somebody should do a podcast. Every episode should be about a different candidate. But you did that for me. So I really appreciate that. Instead, uh, my podcast is called Building the Ballot and is solely focused on these error committee ballots. So we talked extensively about which candidates should be on the early baseball era and golden days era uh, ballots. So there was a lot of Minosa talk. So I was well prepared for this, hopefully. Um, But yeah, you can just find that at whatever uh, podcatcher just punching in building the ballot, and it should come up. And yeah, uh, sports reference. uh, If you're not using baseball reference, I recommend you try it. If you're not using StatHead, our our premium search tool, uh, It'll allow you to slice and dice history however you want to find any player or or game or even a play in history. And uh, yeah, on Twitter, I'm, I'm baseball twit there, and my my DMs are open. I'm always looking to hear from baseball reference or stathead users about how, how things are going and any feature requests. So yeah, DMs are open. So hit me up anytime, and I'd love to chat about any of this Hall of Fame stuff or baseball reference or stathead.
1: All right. So everyone, make sure to check out Adam if you have any. Thoughts on added features, please. You know, message him, let him know. I mean, Adam, I, you know, I'm in it daily, of course. Um, but I've noticed, you know, things changing over, you know, the last couple years here, and the site only continues to improve. And again, I couldn't do this podcast without it. Um, I honestly, that that's 100 honest. Your your site and everything you do over there is great. So. Just as you you know, said very kind words about this podcast, I can only say kind words over to you um, for everything you guys do. You make my life a hell of a lot easier over here. And um, I would be lost if your site ever went down. I'd have to cancel podcasts if your site went ever went down. So keep things going, running over there, and we will make sure to definitely have you back on soon.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Jim.
1: All right, take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Adam, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, man. That was fun.
0: That was. That was a good one. I liked it.
1: You, uh, you, I could tell you definitely have been doing Minosa podcast. You were, you were <laughs> on it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, uh, I have to say, I have, um, I put out a, that call, like I'll, I'll be on whatever podcast to talk about these candidates and people are definitely taking me up on it. <laughs> I was, uh, I was on one at noon today. I've got one in a couple I think there's like seven or eight I have scheduled already. It's crazy. Hey, that's good though. Yeah, you, it's you, fun. You get out there and
1: again, I could talk about this all day. So it's, it's not, it's not much work. This is so much fun. So I could, and I'm super excited to see what happens here. I I really, as I said, I could see them as we talked about, right. People have been passed away and I'm totally good with that. Like if that's what needs to happen, that's great. Mm -hmm. Let them be on stage while they're, they're still here. It's so I, when Sano died before he got in the hall of fame, it was heartbreaking. And I was pretty young when that happened. So I didn't really understand what was why the hell that would happen or any of that. So.
0: I have to say, man, I'm impressed that you can do the baseball episodes on this level, and then you can still do basketball and football. Well, I, I, so I, I, I,
1: I can, but you noticed I slipped tonight and you caught me. I'm so used to talking about the basketball hall of fame being about all of basketball totally slipped on the baseball thing. And that happens t- when I, cause I just did a basketball episode the other day when I go back and forth. Some, I always like kind of look at like, okay, let's, let's make sure you understand all the ground rules here. Right. Um, cause I will, you know, just slip over my words sometimes. And that's something I always have to remind people on the basketball shows. It's just and the basketball hall of fame is a little, I, I think it's a little wonky to be honest. I, uh, baseball and football do it so much better basketball. They let a little too many people in to, for me personally, but you know, if someone has some good high school years, people like to throw it in there. It's, it's any basketball you ever played. So Mm -hmm. I think Minoso, if it was the same rules as basketball, he would have been 50 years ago with how long he played and what he did across his career.
0: Oh man. Yeah. I, so we'll uh, talk Bill Dallin in the future then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you sound like a busy guy. So, um, I, you know, I have a couple lined up over the next couple months, but you know adam if i reached out like after thanksgiving maybe early december would like are your episodes all like right now like if we did really early december would that be to would that work for you or uh, let me look at my calendar like the week of the 29th even like the week after thanksgiving would that work for you
0: uh that that i could make a, a lot of things work because you know evenings <laughs> are good so um I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that the the ballot is announced on the, f- on, yep. on the 5th. Yep. So we probably want to do it before then. Um, but yeah, I, I could certainly do an evening later in in the in, uh, November.
1: So so yeah, we do want to, I, I guess, I was like, we'll do the 29th or get out before, but I usually post on Monday, so I would want to get out on that 29th. So yeah, I'm kind of working I was a little off there and I think if we did the 29th after I'd try to get up in the morning. So maybe I mean I don't want to, you know, mess with your Thanksgiving holiday or anything like that. I mean, if you're free early next week, you know, Monday or Tuesday, I'd love to jump on with you, but if that's, you know, if you got too much going on there, I completely understand.
0: Um yeah, that should work. Uh, even like Wednesday, I, I might be because uh, I'm taking that day off, so.
1: <laughs> okay, well, let me, um, let me look at my calendar and I'll, I'll message you. Are you better on Twitter or email? What do you respond to faster?
0: Twitter's probably fastest. Okay. I get, it, I cool. get the notification for that.
1: Let me, um, let me message you later this week and we'll see if we can find some time next week to, to get that one record. Cause yeah, I'd love to get that up then the week of the 29th leading up into you know, that weekend just in case he was to get elected. Cool.
0: Will this one go up uh, the 22nd then? This is will that... go up the 22nd, correct? Excellent. Looking yep. forward to it.
1: Awesome. Adam, I really appreciate it, man. This was fun. And I honestly, man, I'd love to have you on a, again, of course, you know, maybe next week, but in the future for baseball stuff, I mean, you're, you're a great guest to have on very knowledgeable. And of course, you know, I always got support, supports reference. So anytime I can, you know, get that name out there or even, you know, whatever work you're doing, I'm happy to do so.
0: Awesome. Really appreciate that, man.
1: Uh, take it easy, Adam. Good luck uh, with, with all the podcasts you got coming up.
0: <laughs> yeah, no problem. Thanks. I uh, Take it easy. All right.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that wraps up today's podcast. I want to thank Adam again for joining. Really enjoyed the conversation and it will be interesting to see what happens with So, I mean, we're going to know in the next several weeks whether or not he's in. So that news will be coming up soon. Uh, besides that, per usual, if you don't already follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a review, a rating. Really appreciate that. Follows at Twitter uh, at Pod of Fame. Yes. Following you know any new podcast we have coming out, of course, I love to tweet. So you know, please follow there. And other than that. You know have a great thanksgiving it's thanksgiving week hopefully no everyone's not working too hard this week and enjoy the time with the friends and family eat so much food gosh i love thanksgiving i need to have a thanksgiving theme podcast somehow of, of rush more of thanksgiving sides because right now i'm thinking about them so uh have a great thanksgiving spend time with family friends watch a ton of football and we will talk to you next monday take care
0: ¡No!